Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget and I'm here with my main man Kevin. Say hey Kevin. Hey Kevin. And we have a special guest, Kevin. Go ahead and introduce her. Hey, so we have a friend of mine. Uh, we've known, known each other for a little bit. Um, she is a uh, native to Puerto Rico and she's a drill sergeant United States Army, an amazing singer, has a podcast coming out. Um, we're going to let her tell more of her story. Her name is Jessica Pacheco. Hi. Hey, hey. How's it going? <laughs> Welcome to Before I Forget. The thank best, you. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. The greatest podcast on the face of the planet with the best well, host, Mr. Kevin motherfucking. No, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, greatest podcast on the planet. We're number eight on the list of 100. So, yeah. We're I know. Good. I saw that. Yeah. yeah it's pretty it's cool. So right? Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of excited to see uh, where yours is going to go. Um, it, it, you know, it's not to jump ahead in the, into the conversation, but it's definitely uh, the, the, a different type of show for sure. Cause like, I mean, different from like, I think the ones that I follow along with, um, I like, you know, history things or, you know, things that you never learned in history class or like, you know, veteran podcasts or whatever. Um, but we'll get into what yours is. So Jess, yes. um, you are from Puerto Rico. I want to know, can you tell me about, so you're the first episode that's coming out for Women's History Month, and we want to learn more about life in Puerto Rico and life for you as a woman and life in general. Tell me all the things. Say all the words, please. Okay, well, I'm excited. Okay, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here again. Um, so yes, I'm originally from Puerto Rico. I lived there, you know, my whole life until I was 18. Uh, yeah, 18. Um, life in Puerto Rico is awesome, man. It's awesome. I like, I like my childhood. I had a really good childhood. You know, it's, everything is close to the beach. Um, the island is super small, so everything's just close. You know, everybody knows each other. It's, it's nice, but probably wouldn't go back to living there unless I had like a lot of money and then I can just afford like a vacation house at the beach and then I could go there sporadically, but not like probably wouldn't live there. But you know, the reason for that is just things are getting like bad, especially like after the hurricanes, which is the main reason why I ended up leaving um, the Island. The hurricanes in 2017 were pretty devastating. And so, I mean, the, the Island was already, um economically wise if that's a word yes that's a word economically speaking it was already kind of bad like the island was already in debt and there was a bunch of things going on but then when the hurricanes happened in 2017 hurricane irma and hurricane maria um you know that just brought to the surface a lot of stuff that was not really talked about um and so, yeah, a lot of people ended up leaving the island. Um, we didn't have power for months, probably about six months. Um, and that was me on the good on the good end, because there was people that stayed on the island that didn't have power for like the whole year after that. Um, so it was pretty bad. Gas was really expensive because a lot of people were using, you know, um, generators to survive. And uh, that was yeah, that's why I ended up leaving the island. At first, I didn't want to leave because my whole life was there. I was already in the reserves. And the, I feel like I'm talking too much already. 
you haven't even asked me all this stuff. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. So what, what prompted you to join the, uh, the army reserves? Um, so I, that was actually something I never thought about doing. Like, I mean, you know, me on a personal level. So like my personality is more like, I like to sing. I like to, uh, I don't know. Like I like to be girly on some things. So I never really thought of myself as like a soldier, but then my brother, my older brother joined, um, and he went active, but I went to like his basic training graduation and you know how like Fort Jackson goes all out on their basic training graduations, uh, with like the smoke and everything. And so I saw that and I was like, Oh my God, I want to do this. So I didn't even think about it. I did not think about it at all. I know that I knew that there were benefits to it. I didn't know what the benefits were. Um, like truly I did not think about this decision at all. I just did it. Like, uh, my brother's graduation was like in March basic training. And so I joined in May. Wow. Not much thought about it. That's a pretty quick turnaround. And, 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 yeah. you know, you, we get, uh, we've talked to a lot of folks that are in the military and, and usually it's like patriotism or I wanted to go fight in the war or, you know, I wanted a chance <laughs> at a better life. And you're just like, I went to somebody else's basic training. And it was badass. <laughs> I know. Like, I was like, I really did not think about it. I was just like, I want to be on that uniform. I want to be in that uniform. I want to wear that. And then, I mean, later on, but I can't say patriotism, right? Because I wasn't raised in the States. So it would be lying for me to like tell you, oh, I did it for the country and this and that. Like, like let's be honest here. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also like growing up in Puerto Rico, uh, not a lot of people speak highly of the military um, because of, you know, the weird relationship that Puerto Rico is with the United States and all yeah. that. I'm, I'm not trying to get into politi- political topics yeah. here but it is a no, i actually didn't i actually didn't know that i didn't know that there was a little bit of um i don't know tension or whatever with puerto rico mm-hmm. and and the military i mean i guess it makes sense considering not everybody the history yeah yes certain so how, how long yeah yeah because certain people all right i don't say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah. How, how, how long have you been in the army now i've been in the army for wow almost seven years in may yeah and so so you've re-enlisted. So you've decided to stay in. What what made what made that happen? I did not re-enlist. I just extended. So my first uh, contract was six years for the reserves. And so I extended to become a drill sergeant. Yeah. What is um, but I, I am thinking of re-enlisting. What is your what? MOS? We didn't even say that. What's that? Your, your MOS. Oh, 92 Yankee supply. Bang bang. Yep. Yeah. Um a lot of people like to hate on supply, but uh when when Tyree and I were deployed to Iraq, like our supply people, um, we had a supply. For everybody that's watching, he just popped in the camera. Sorry. He doesn't even look at the camera. He just wants to look at you. Well, shoot. There he is. Sorry. Just being jealous. Yeah. Being a hater right now. You've been on camera too long, lady. <clears throat> um, He's super needy. But no, like I remember our our supply sergeant, like the sergeant, he sucked. He didn't want to like come out on missions with us. He didn't want to like resupply us. But like his uh, his uh, his the guy that was working with him, man, that guy gave us all the things. Um, so used to hate on supply until that guy came around. I was like, okay, all right, supply is pretty rad. Yeah, he was. He was I went. I went <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so what prompted you to want to become a drill? Um. Again, I think I think I'm just like a competitive person. Like it's stuff that I don't even think about. I was just like the opportunity presented itself and I was just like, yes, I want to do it. Like 
I, I don't even know why. I think also, okay, th- this is this is probably the the main reason I did it. Um, I when I was in basic training, there was only one female Hispanic drill sergeant, and so um, I did not see a lot of them. Sorry, my phone. I should have put it on. Okay, silence mode. <laughs> uh, I didn't really see a lot of female Hispanic drill sergeants, and so. I don't know. I felt really out of place when I was in basic training, not only because, you know, the drill sergeants, but I was the only Puerto Rican person in my um, basic training, <laughs> like my basic training company, mm-hmm. which is weird because in a lot of, I know I've, I've heard of a lot of people when they go to basic, there's a bunch of Puerto Rican people. Um, but I was the only one in my basic training. So I felt super like out of place, especially you know, the culture shock was, was, it was the first time that I had ever been outside of Puerto Rico for that long. I mean, not only for like, you know, vacation. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I felt like I didn't belong. I, I was like, I was super depressed in basic and it wasn't even because of basic. It was just cause I felt lonely. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I, when I, when the opportunity presented itself for me to become a drill sergeant, I was like, oh my God, I really want to see more, more female Hispanic drill sergeants. And so that was probably like the main reason. Um, I know last year when we were um, at Fort Leonardwood, one thing that you talked about is, you know, was, the, oh yeah, that was last year. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, this year just started, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of crazy how, you know, that it was just like the other day it feels like, but yeah. Um, I remember you tell you you would always talk to me about like the 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 Puerto Rican trainings that you had or the Hispanic trainings that you had, mm-hmm. and how they kind of gravitated towards you and and um you know kind of looked to you for like guidance or just asking you all kinds of questions and maybe even feeling like on some level like that that, that you all can connect personally because mm-hmm. you're you're from the same place and with Puerto Rico being such a small island, I mean. I, I can I can definitely see how that's a big deal, but like so when you when you became a drill sergeant and you went on that and you did that cycle, mm-hmm. do you feel like that was kind of like full circle for you? Like kind of like now I get to be what that drill sergeant was to you. Do you know what I mean? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Oh, that female Hispanic drill sergeant. She wasn't even in my company. She was in another company, but I you know knew of her, so I didn't really interact with her that much. Um, but yeah, definitely brought me brought me back to like you said, full circle. It was, it was crazy because it feels like the other day. Right. I mean, I, I mean, it was the other day I went to basic in 2016. (laughs) So it wasn't that long ago, but, but yeah, I mean, being in that other position, seeing how everything kind of works from like the back end, um, it was, it was awesome. And then my, my Puerto Rican, uh, trainees, like you said, there's, uh, it's so weird because being Puerto Rican, and coming from such a small place and everybody's so prideful about it. Um, everybody's super proud of being Puerto Rican. I'm sure you guys know about it. Like literally any, every Puerto Rican, there's a flag somewhere around them. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, like having them as my trainees, it was weird because I don't want to be biased. Right. And so they would, they would come up to me and like start speaking to me in Spanish. And I'm like, come on, man, like, don't do this to me. Like I have to be mean now. Like, you, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, there was this one girl who was like super lazy, but she would like, because of, because of the fact that we were both Puerto Rican and she spoke more Spanish than English, every single time she would come up to me for anything, she would be speaking Spanish. And I'm just like, you know, English It's not like, 
you need a translator or anything like she could speak English. She just preferred not to do it. And so at that point, I have to be like, all right, I'm not your friend. Like, I'm not your battle buddy. Like, mm. calm down. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's a that's a unique um, challenge, I think, because when, when when you came into basic training, I mean, how much English did you really know? Like, were you oh proficient at it? I was. Uh, so I thought I was right. My all my English that I knew was from like Disney Channel and you know, watching shows, basically watching movies. So it wasn't really uh, conversational. Mm-hmm. Like I knew English, but I didn't know how to interact very well in a conversation. And I thought I did because like being in Puerto Rico and knowing a little bit of English, you think like you think like they used to call me gringa in school <laughs> because I knew English. But um, uh, what was I going to say? ADHD moment. <laughs> I forgot. Coming to basic training. Coming to (laughs) (laughs) basic. Wait, no, I forgot my point. I had a point. They called you a gringa. Oh, the the language. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. So it wasn't wasn't very conversational. And so uh, I was actually super lost in basic training. I thought I knew English until I went there. And, you know, like there's people from everywhere. It's not just like the basic English that you learn from TV that is super like you can understand it. There's people that come from places like freaking what's the thickest accent I've heard? Probably like, I don't know, like Alabama. Mm. Like there's people that have some really thick country accents and then black people have a really thick accent, too. Like it's crazy. What? I didn't. Black I, that was probably the hardest for me to understand was black people from i don't know where but they have they have a lot of sayings they have a lot of sayings yeah and i and i was just like i can't i don't understand anything that you're saying there was this one oh there was this one drill sergeant who was like jamaican and um i was so scared of him he didn't he just i could not understand anything that he said to me so when he would approach me i was already scared and he wasn't even that scary it was just the fact that i didn't understand him cuz he was going to make fun of me that's a unique ass challenge. It really is. Cause I mean, Wait, you, 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 you're still here. You take this like big on this, you take on this big challenge, like joining the military, this unknown world. And on top of that, like there's all, there's a language barrier as well. And <clears throat> so it just makes, it just makes the whole thing much more difficult. So then I can imagine being one of those trainees and then being like, Oh, Joseph Pacheco. Like that's a, that's a Puerto Rican name. She knows she knows Spanish. I can talk to her in my, in my language, the language that I feel comfortable in. But you know, in the army, you know, the operational language is English, and so it's it's a it's a requirement that everybody speaks English. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can I can I can I can I can I can understand how that would be like a very difficult, unique challenge um, to to people who whose primary language is in English and coming from other places um, in the in the world to to join this military. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> So, and you've deployed overseas in yes. the, the supply capacity. Um, so when you joined the army, like, did you think like, okay, I'm just joining the army. I'm going to put on this uniform. I'm going to do cool things when I graduate basic training. Next thing you know, hey, you're deploying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that was one thing I was like, this is how ignorant I was when I joined. Uh, I was like, well, you know, well, First of all, I had no idea like what was actually going on in the military, you know, like 
because there's a lot of things that don't make the news. There's a lot of stuff that don't make it to Puerto Rico. <laughs> so um, I did not even think that I was actually going to deploy, especially because this is how recruiters get you in Puerto Rico. They're like, that's a support MOS. You're not, you're never going to be over there. What you mean? And then, <laughs> and then you end up finding yourself over there and it's like, oh, what am I doing here? What did I do? <laughs> how did you adjust to um, uh, military life? From, you know, switching. How did you adjust to military life? What was that first year of being in the military like for you? Um, I think because I was in the reserves in Puerto Rico at first, um, it wasn't a hard transition. I mean, the reserves in Puerto Rico, they, they hold their formations in Spanish. So it wasn't that hard. But then when I moved to the States after the hurricanes, um, I was in a reserve unit at Fort Hood, and that's who I ended up deploying with. And so transitioning from just being, you know, I was in college in Puerto Rico. I had never thought of, of joining. I think what kept me, like what made the process easy was the fact that it's so much diversity, diversity. Because one of the biggest cult, uh, culture shocks for me, right, was how divided um, it there's a lot of division in the United States in general, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, whether it's race or, you know, whatever status, there, there's a lot of division, which I didn't see as much in Puerto Rico. So I think the military was a great transition to being in the United States because everybody in the military is, it comes from different places and we're going through the same things. So you just bond with people. It doesn't matter, you know, who they are, where they come from. So you just, you just bond. <laughs> and so I think the military was easier to transition into than, than life in the States actually, which is kind of funny. Hmm. I can see that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, for that exact reason, I mean, the military it tends to be culturally diverse and you have all walks of life. Um, you know, like, like when I joined, um, this is like the second or third time I've told the story today, but like when I first met Tyree, um, and it's still one of, it is one of my favorite stories. Cause like, I, I'm from small town, Arkansas and Tyree was from Inglewood and Hawthorne, uh, out there in LA. And, and, you know, when I found that out, I was like, that's not a real place. It can't be because, you know, like I heard about it in songs, right? Like I, I grew up kind of listening to a little bit of like NWA and EZE. And so when you hear these things, I'm like Inglewood and whatever else. And so I was just kind of blown away. And then the fact that he liked system of a down and, you know, I, I was just, I was like mind blown world opened up. Okay. So uh, people of different walks of life can like the same thing. So there's this cultural diversity, but then we also have all of these other uh, smaller yep. things in common and it really does help um, the, the whole thing kind of work together in like one cohesive team. And it really is, there's a, there was a meme that was been floating around for the last couple of months of like what your military friend group looks like. And it's like a cowboy, um, you know, somebody <laughs> in like, uh, you know, I've seen that one. I know which one you mean. Yeah. And like none of the people look like if you like, there's no way they're friends, but Hello? we yeah. have that that connection together. Mm -hmm. You're still here. We can still hear you. What's funny is he figured out that I like system of a down. And then later on I robbed him. So keeping you that what? stereotype alive. Wait, Nothing. one second. What's going on? One second. My internet. I don't know. It's kind of going, coming on and off. And it's so not, we can hear everything. And see everything. Yeah. But I'm losing you guys. So I, that's oh. how I know it's my internet. But uh, 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Hopefully it doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> Don't worry, we can edit this all out, all of it. Okay. We're not going to. We're but... not going <laughs> to. <laughs> what do you mean no, you robbed me? I, I, Tired. I'm fucking around, dude. It was a joke. Oh, you're from, oh. You're from a fictional, crazy hip hop place in a different uh, oh, land. Stupid. Yeah, yeah. Stop it. All of a Quit sudden, it. oh, you like Stop it. you like music like me? Holy shit! You and didn't then, rob me. And then I uh, took a knife to him in his sleep and stole his wallet. That's not true. No, it's not you know true. What did happen to you when you were sleeping? No, we don't even have to go into that. <laughs> Tyree, when we were when we were deployed, I'm going to tell you a story, Jess. When we were deployed to Iraq, um, this was probably eight, nine, ten months into the deployment, and you know, battle fatigue and all that stuff had definitely been setting in. And we were sleeping in these squad base and this uh, patrol base we had established in town. And um, our doc had decided in his sleep that he was going to go pee, and made his way to what he thought was a urinal of some type, and turns out that urinal was Tyree here. <laughs> No. Yeah. How? Man. No. It was a late night. Listen. <laughs> yeah. This fucking it's, guy it's... wakes up and he like, I talk shit. He lost a lot of weight. He used to, I would say he would waddle over to my side of the fucking room, but you know, shout out to Doc. He waddled yeah. over to my side of the room and it, it startled me, you know, sleeping. And, uh, I, I kind of look up and like, all I see is this gut and, and then his face and his his eyes are closed. I'm like, Doc, what the fuck are you no. doing? I'm like, Doc, what There's the fuck are you doing? There's no way that happened. <laughs> and he didn't say shit. He starts unbuttoning his pants. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I start screaming at him. I'm like, hey, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he starts fucking pissing. I'm like, oh, man. Like, for a nanosecond, I'm thinking, man, I should probably get up and knock this dude out. But I'm like, man, this, the stress, battle stress, we're fucking... It's it's been hell. We've been going through fucking hell the last few months. He's just fucking oh stressed gosh. out. I woke up. I got woke him up vigorously. Fucking shook the fuck out of him, but still woke him up and uh, got him to clean up my shit. And then uh, yeah, what are you gonna do? So he was just sleeping the whole time. Yeah, he's passed yeah. He was sleepwalking and he peed mm-hmm. on you. Yes. Of me, That's of all people. Insane. It's my kind of luck, though. I should have played lottery. He, I don't think he did that. I think he did that on purpose. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm. I don't think he was just sleeping. I think he hated you or something. <laughs> I mean, there's so but much to hate I, here. I definitely, that's so funny. I, that just reminded me of something that happened to me when I was, I was in a rough march and I was so tired. I was, this was, I don't even remember when this was, but I was just so tired because it had been like a couple of days before that we were just like working our asses off, my butt off. Jesus Christ. I ha- Listen, I've been working on my cursing, so. Um, you're, you're doing good. I just said Thank 13 you. cuss Thank words you. in a row. I know. I, I'm doing a lot better because you know me from before, mm-hmm. I, you know. So, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah. we. I was so tired. I was actually asleep when we first started the ruck march i was walking and i just fell asleep and you know what woke me up was my own like my own voice i was i was mumbling something you know when you're like so tired you just start talking you don't know what you're saying Mm -hmm. that's what woke me up and then i realized oh my god i'm out here walking and (laughs) it's crazy that happened to me in basic training i fell asleep on a ruck um it's it's if somebody had told me hey man it's possible to fall asleep while standing and walking i would have been like no it's absolutely not that's a lie. Mm-hmm. 
but I've done it. Um, a lot, I know, I, and actually I know, I know a lot of people have done it. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of a, but that's, that's kind of life in the military, you know, whenever you're, you're training for stuff, because, you know, you, you really do kind of get pushed to these, to the, to, to, to your end and, uh, to your limit and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, were there any, aside from like the language barrier and just like, you know, like the new place, new culture, new things, were there any, um, additional challenges that you found in your life coming to the U S you know, joining the military, deploying? Um, challenges per se. I think, I think really just like the culture thing. I, I, it was, it took me a really long time to feel, um, like, like I could find a space where I fit in. Um, and you know, I'm thankful for my military friends, which were really the, but the the first friends that I made being in the states. I think um, one one thing I struggled with. I'm not even gonna lie. When you're when you're really learning and diving into a new language, even though I knew English, um, you kind of develop two personalities. It's the weirdest thing. I'm sure that a lot of people can like people that are bilingual can kind of relate to this, but you kind of develop two personalities because you sound completely different when you speak English than when you speak Spanish. And then it took me a really long time to like mesh those up together because I really felt like when I was speaking English, I had a different personality than when I spoke Spanish. It was crazy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You definitely sound different when I've heard you speak Spanish on the phone with like your family and stuff. And Mm -hmm. it, yeah, no, you definitely sound like a different person. It's really, it is really weird. Um, I feel like I was probably that way when I was in Germany and I, and I, and I, I knew German. I feel like if I spoke German, I, I definitely sound like a different person, but you well, German is really good. It's not that good. It's, not now. From my, I mean, from my point of view. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know any German. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you then. Yeah. My German is perfect. Then I know all of it. No, let me tell you, it's, it's horrible. It's yeah. Bad. It's trash. It's real bad. It's yeah, not just horrible. Honesty, it's, like, it's, trash. it's like real bad. Oh, it's like not even good enough to get you. You could have, you could fool me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, you know, I, I make it a point. So like if I try and learn a language and I really want to learn, I want to relearn German. I want to learn Spanish. I want to, I want to learn all these languages, but like I make it a point because like I want to be able to speak it the way you speak it. I don't want to speak Spanish the way uh, an American speaks it. I want to speak it with the accent, but I'm 40, you know, like I'm not going to be able to, to properly speak with the right accent. And I remember talking to you about this. No, man. Like I remember talking to you about this, like, you know, when I, whenever I run into uh, somebody who is Hispanic Latino and they're sitting there talking and they're, and they're speaking English, but with their accent, you know, it's expected that they're going to have an accent, but like, you know, right. and remember when, when we, we talked, we talked about this, like when an American learns another language, we get laughed at for speaking their language with an American accent. It's like, that's not fair. Oh, but I also remember what I told you when you told me this, because it's funny. So the people who make fun of you are the people that aren't actually from the places where everybody speaks Spanish. And what I mean by that is people that come from like straight, like me straight from the Island, we are actually really appreciative of when people try to speak our language. And like, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll laugh with you and stuff, but we won't really make fun of you. I think the people that make fun of you is the people that, for example, uh, like they say they're Puerto Rican, but they weren't actually born in Puerto Rico. They were just raised mm-hmm. by Puerto Rican parents in the States. Like those people think they're better for some reason. So they'll start, I don't know why, but it just, it just happens. They're, yeah. they're the ones that make fun of people who are trying to speak Spanish. <laughs> <clears throat> No, I, I really do love languages, though. Um, and 
I'm telling you, you're, you're going to help me learn Spanish. I'm actually really excited for your podcast to come out because, um, one, one thing that I, uh, one video that I I looked up, um, (laughs) is that, uh, no, I'm, I'm really excited for when your podcast comes out because, um, a, a video that I had watched talked about like whenever you learn a language, um, it helps to immerse yourself in a language. And one way to do that is to listen to, um, a conversation, a natural conversation in that language, listen to the same thing over and over and over. Um, so like, like you might release your first episode and then, so say it's an hour long. So I spend an hour, you know, a, a week or whatever, listening to that same episode over and over and over. And then over time I start to understand more and more and more words out of it. And I learn to speak conversationally, or I at least understand, understand it to, to listen conversationally, which will then eventually translate to speaking conversationally. Um, so your show, um, the intro comes out March 1st and then the first episode is March 8th. Um, Nuevas Creaturas. Um, so you want to tell us a little bit about it and what your, what your goal is for there? Yeah. So, um, me and my friend Gretchen, uh, we started this new podcast podcast called Nuevas Criaturas. And so it's basically, I mean, we, we're not really like teaching anybody anything. We, we are too new in Christianity to teach anybody anything. It's just kind of like a platform since we have so many like really, really good conversations and we've gone through so many things. Like we have really, especially her, her testimony is really, really strong. And so we just had so many conversations that we were like, why don't we just make this a podcast? It's kind of more of a way for us to uh, like help people who are just starting like new believers, people that are just starting in, you know, their Christian path um, to kind of learn with us and they can, you know, they can hear about what we've experienced and, if that can help them find their way in Christ, then then that's awesome. But we really just do it for like just sharing it. Just we're, we're, we don't really want to make it about ourselves or make it about us teaching anything. Because like I said, we haven't been called by, you know, by by God to do that. We just we're just kind of sharing it and making like a safe space for people to um to people that maybe were never raised in the church because we weren't we were never raised in the church. Um just a comfortable space to ask even the the dumbest questions that you think, you know, everybody should know this, but you don't. So. Yeah. And and, and you say that like, you know, it's not really to teach people anything, but it kind of, but it is right. Because you're, 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 you're literally documenting like your, your journey into it and your path into it. And um, you're learning as you go and you know that there's other people that's going to listen and they're going to be in that same spot or, or maybe they were where you are a year ago and they might be able to chime in through the comment section later on and be like, Hey, so when I was at that point, this is the lesson that I learned, or this is, this is how I took it, or this is the path that I chose, or I read this scripture in it and it, and it took me to a different place in in this, in this journey or path. Um, So I think that is, it is really neat. I I actually, I grew up um, going to church. Um, I don't anymore. Um, as you know, you all know, um, not a religious person, but I do, I do, um, what's the word? I do believe that everybody should follow in whatever path that they want to follow in. So long as it makes them happy and it doesn't hurt other people. Um, and obviously if we're not forcing things down other people's throats and saying, Hey, like 
this is the way, the only way, blah, blah, blah. Then, then if you're not doing that, you're, you're, you're good to go. Right. Um, and so your show means, uh, uh, Nuevos Creators is, is new creatures. Yes. Why did you go with that title? Um, so it's based on a scripture that comes from Corinthians, first Corinthians five seventeen. Um, so it's about, I wish I had it here so I could read it verbatim because I'm really horrible at remembering things, but basically God makes everything new. And when you um, come to him, you are a new creature. So, I mean, m- metaphorically speaking, yes, you're a new creature, but spiritually for people who are, who are spiritual, who believe in the gospel and um, stuff like that, that it's, it's quite literal. <laughs> it's quite literal. I, I do think that I have become a new person since I gave my life to Christ. So it's awesome. What, it's awesome. <laughs> what caused the, the, what caused you giving your life to Christ? Well, Was there a, um, yeah. Okay. So for me, I, like I said, I didn't grow up in, in the church. My grandma was a very Christian woman, but my mom, you know, she believed in God, but she never really took us to church. Like, you know, like we never were part of that life. And so I grew up in a little bit of a broken family. Uh, not in a bad way. Nobody's like bad, uh, purposely It's just kind of like what what they knew as well so uh specifically speaking about marriage um everybody in my family's been divorced and so i grew up not really knowing the actual meaning of being married or listen (laughs) this is hilarious i'm not even i know i don't know if i don't know about you tyree i know you know heaven doesn't really uh believe in this stuff per se but yeah i the devil is mad that i'm sharing this <laughs> i'm telling you because why would it go out as, as spe- at the specific moment when you ask me this question but anyways because it was about to start getting spicy in here and he didn't want to hear it i don't know it could also just be your internet sucks down there yeah, it does kind of, yeah. but you know, uh, okay. So where, what was the last thing you guys heard? Uh, oh, he had asked you like what, 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 uh, what you guys you didn't to... hear any of that. No, we heard uh, it up to cause you, uh, divorces. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. So my whole family has been divorced. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really one marriage in my family that has really lasted and they don't, they're not really, they don't really speak to each other that much which is funny but um a lot of growing up like that and not knowing the meaning of marriage caused me to uh get married and then not know what I was getting into Mm -hmm. and so um I learned that love was not enough to hold a marriage together it's a lot more than that um and so by my own mistakes and you know i wasn't a perfect wife he wasn't a perfect husband either but we uh ended up getting divorced it was it was really rough and so i found myself in a spot where i was really vulnerable um i was with my parents again after you know being married and then divorced and so i was just in a really broken place at that point i didn't really believe in god uh, at all <laughs> i never uh, didn't really think he was real. I didn't even like to entertain the topic, but I started just visiting 
because my mom was going to a church and I just started visiting just to get to, to do something because I didn't have anybody here. Um, I, I was kind of in search of a community more than anything. And um, it just kind of happened. I started, I, I would look up a lot of motivational videos and uh, it was more like to, to get myself, you know, motivated to work out and, you know, do all these things that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And the algorithm on YouTube ended up, what I didn't notice is all those motivational videos, they use biblical principles. And so it was funny enough, my algorithm and YouTube started showing me more people uh, preaching and different messages and services. And I was just listening and I started getting to know God like that. And it wasn't even through the church. I started getting to know God through YouTube. And so... Um, little by little, I didn't have that much faith, but what I did have was just a little bit and I gave it to him and he made it grow. And a lot of things in my life started, you know, coming along, coming together. And I, I mean, I have a lot more than I deserve and a lot more than I could have asked him for. So I'm really, really thankful. And I felt his presence in my life. It's something that you can't really explain. <laughs> it's just something that you, you feel it. So yeah, I'm not here to convince anybody that he exists. It's just it's just what my experience was. I know that you asked me why I gave my life to the Lord and that yeah. was pretty much that and was pretty much it. He uh he saved me from myself. Couple of other really quick questions. How old were you when you got married and how long did you stay married? Uh I was I got married at 19. Mm. And I got divorced at 23. Okay. Wait, no, 20. Yeah officially divorced at 23 but i was uh god yeah 23 my bad so it was like three and a half years okay you gave it a shot i gave it a shot yeah a lot of people they try to hang around for that and they end up just having horrible lives uh and then and they'll get divorced later on down the line anyway or just you know, end up killing each other something crazy yeah uh, it happens all the time especially military families military uh I mean, not murder, but, you know, divorce. You guys, uh, Jesus, <laughs> had to clean that up. Uh, everyone knows military families or, or marriages is something like 50% end up in divorce, if not higher, right? It's way, way too higher. normalized. Oh, really? Too, way too normalized in the military. Mm. Not only divorce, but cheating. Um, it's just things that have been, it's just like the status quo. Like, especially when you're deployed, it's like people see this everywhere. And mm. nobody says anything. Nobody does anything about it. You just see it happening and it's just like, that's not my problem, you know? And I'm not even saying it from a judgy standpoint that, like, I saw it too and I didn't do anything, you know? I mean, what so, are you supposed to do? Like, kick... kick <laughs> yeah, well, kick what the heck are you going to do? It's, it's just so... Yeah. It's it, Like I said, it's too normalized. Mm -hmm. It's just It's just things that... They just happen. It's crazy. Yeah. But, it's almost expected. Yeah. You know, it's almost expected, like when somebody goes away on a deployment or like in the reserves and guard where they go to a school on orders, you know what I'm saying? They they they, they take that ring off and they become single them again. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's not to, for people that are listening and watching or whatever. That's not that's not like 100 percent the case. But there are those in the military who are who are like that. And, <clears throat> you know, it's and there are people that um uh, are okay with that and just fucking go with it. Um, so it, it is, it is really interesting. 
you know, when you talk about like the, the culture in the military, um, it is a wide variety and super diverse. I mean, you've literally got people from all over the planet. I think that last cycle that I did when we were at Leonard Wood, I had a trainee from China. I had a trainee from Ukraine. I had a trainee from Russia, right? Mm-hmm. From those countries. And here they all are in the United States Army uh, basic combat training at Fort Leonard Wood. You know what I mean? So like, there's a lot to be said about like the, the, the wide variety of people that you're going to find in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, there's also a wide variety of, you know, bad culture that exists in the military. Right. And there is a, this weird expectation that, or this weird understanding that it's just going to happen. And it's going to go on. And that's kind of shitty because, you know, it is people not saying something or people not doing the right thing to, to, to make it stop. But what can you do other than, Hey, don't fucking do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? I mean, really that's, that's all you can do. Just like, Hey, you're my friend and I love you. And I don't want to see you destroy yourself and your marriage. And I would like to, uh, advise you not to do that. That's really all you can do, but people don't even do that. Yeah. <laughs> like not even to their friends that they love. Right. I said, ah, man, they're just doing them. You know, if they get caught, they get caught. It's on them. Right. I think a lot of people think like, hey, you know, it's their life. Why would I want to interfere with that? I know people who have been in those kind of weird relationships and shit. And uh, a lot of times I'm like, hey, man, why would I get involved with that? Why? Why? Why is it my place to step in and say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this? Like being like kind of like you said, like being judgy about it. Like it's not not like i'm trying to be judgy like maybe you know like for your for your own self like bro maybe you shouldn't do that like mm-hmm. shit like that but ultimately if they still go ahead and do it like what what, what is what are you gonna I do mean, at that point you're not gonna do anything like you they're adults they're grown adults like mm-hmm. you you can only advise them and you know tell them that you know come from a love time standpoint not from a judgy yeah. standpoint mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day they're gonna do whatever they want but when they see those repercussions because everything that you do in the darkness will come to life i mean to light not to light mm-hmm. to light so so all of that stuff you think you're going to be able to take it to your grave it's not it's at some point the truth is going to come out and whatever you did um that person that that friend right that gave you that advice they're if they're really your friend they're going to be there for you and that is not to tell you i told you so but more like I want you to know that, you know, I love you. And I, and, you know, I gave you this advice because I didn't want to see you like this, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to be there for my friends, whether they do it or not. Yeah. So. Harry, you had, you had asked some questions yeah. earlier. Um, what was it like having your first group of kids in basic after all the, the, everything you went through in your own individual career. And then finally you, you're, you're a drill sergeant now. What was it like having that mm-hmm. first cycle of kids? It was uh, at first I was trying to find my personality as a drill sergeant because I am not used to just yelling at people for no reason. Mm-hmm. I I'm a very sentimental person. I'm like people that know me personally. I know you, Kevin, you know me <laughs> like you're one of my closest friends. And like I cry for everything and anything. So I have a really soft spot in my heart for like these kids that come from like different places. They've never been in like a tough situation before. And then they find themselves with people just yelling in their face. Um, And I know we're trying to make them strong and everything, but I was, it took me a minute to, to like 
like be able to yell at people for no mm-hmm. reason, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I saw this uh, this one one girl. We you know we can't say the word smoke anymore. So what? Corrective <laughs> Correct, action. Corrective training. Corrective, mm-hmm. <laughs> corrective training. <laughs> they were doing corrective training. Uh, because you know they messed up, and so this one girl started crying. And I was just like, I mean, I wasn't even the one yelling or telling them to do anything. I was just kind of there fixing their, you know, what they were doing. And uh, I just had to step out because I felt so bad. <laughs> so that I think that was like my experience at first was just like, I feel so bad for all these kids. But then I have to be like, no, like we all went through this. This is what's going to make them strong. This is how they learn. This is this is really how it is. Hi. Sorry, Greg, Greg was over there whining, so he, he needed some attention, apparently. His animals just right showing up. Should, should, I go grab the cat? should I go get the cat and hold the cat here? Yeah. Go get your cat. Stuff. Go get no, your I'm, cat. Good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm all right. He can, he's just he's right doing there. his own thing. Why would I fuck with him? <clears throat> Greco was just laying on the ground going, and then like Aww. wagging his tail and looking at me with his one eye. Poor baby. Hey, Greco, he, you're on TV. Uh, camera? Oh, he's famous now. Oh my god, he really does have one eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. We're gonna but, have to put him on the payroll. Get him off the camera. Oh, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> uh Greg, you gotta go. Sorry. We can't afford uh, it. Here. No, I'm fucking around. It's cool. Let me I have I haven't nope. Uh, nope. Okay. He said it already. He might come back. He'll know. come back. Um he's probably hungry. He's always hungry. I was gonna say he's probably hungry. You you feed your animals, right? Me? Yeah, you fool. You feed your fuck. Yeah, yeah. He wait. I give him food. Sometimes he doesn't want to eat. He's very temperamental. So for those that are listening and watching, they don't know. Um, Greg was a diabetic, and um, and uh, has had a slew of other things: cataracts, uh, eye surgery to, to repair that. One eye didn't take, so he got glaucoma. His retina detached. So he had to have eye replacement, which is why he has one eye. And then like, his gallbladder almost burst. So he, um, life has been trying to find a way to kill him. And he's just like, nah. Well, I say nah and get get the surgery uh, to fix him. Dude is 10 years old and there's all kinds of messed up, but still plays like a puppy. So, <clears throat> but yeah, um, man, I, I remember my first cycle way back in 2009. And um, I was, I, I was nervous, right? Because, you know, when, when, when do you become a drill sergeant? Right. And I've had this conversation with my, my candidates. Um, is it when you complete this, the school and you get to put on that drill sergeant hat and that the badge that says, well, this will defend, or is it when you complete your first cycle or is it when you feel comfortable in your role? And I hadn't, I hadn't thought that question. I had been mentored properly in that way. And, um, so now that's why I try to make it a point now to do that with our candidates and our new drills. But on my first cycle, I was nervous. Those, those first couple of days, like trainees, because the trainees, they don't they don't know that you're new. They don't know that this is your first cycle. Yeah. They just know that you're there and you're wearing the hat and you have all the answers to every question they can possibly conjure up. And they will ask you every question they can think of. And and you, you know, some of the questions you get, you're just like, I, I, I don't know the protocol for this. Other ones are the general army questions and you can answer those pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um. But going through that first cycle, I mean, I, I fortunately got to work with an active duty drill sergeant, uh, drill sergeant Schaefer, who just, the dude was a genius. He, he's former Marine, came into the army, 
the dude was just smart. He was like a, a, a perfect leader. He was a great leader, actually genuinely cared about his soldiers, wanted to see them succeed. Um, their, like their success, the trainee's success was their own and not his. Right. And I, and I, and I, I love that, that thought that like, you know, the people you train, the people you're in charge of, you know, their success is theirs. Their failure is yours. And, um, and so I, I kind of learned that from him and, uh, and try and practice that in, in my time as being a drill, but you know, so right now, like you're, you're, you're on, a, you're on year long orders, mobilized, doing a different job. You're doing your actual MOS in the army, but like, do you, when you're done with that, do you think you're going to go back to the whole drill sergeant thing? So I definitely want to go back to the drill sergeant thing, but this is my dilemma, right? There's no, if I go back into the reserves to be a drill sergeant, um, I need to rely on my civilian job, which I don't really love that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's okay. It's a logistics jobs job as well, but it's just, I'd rather just stay on active duty. I get paid more <laughs> for now anyway, until I finish my, my school. So um, my plan is to either extend these orders if I can, if I'm not allowed, um, then I'm going to be forced to go, go back to the reserves. But I really did want to have more time as a drill sergeant because you know, I mean, in the reserves, you just don't get that much uh, experience. And I didn't want to mm. be just like a one cycle drill. So I don't know. I don't really know what's going to happen, to be honest. <laughs> I'm kind of like doing this year on active duty and doing school online. And we'll see what happens. What are you going to two. What classes are you taking online? Uh, So I'm, I'm, my, I'm majoring on music production. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, that's right. You sing. Yeah, is so. the word. Oh, she didn't just sing. Allegedly, I haven't heard it. I'm oh, not going to no, put no. you on the spot. It, she I'm not going to put you on the spot or anything like Kevin's about to do. Oh yeah, I'm about to. Um, there's a <laughs> video I had requested that she sing. What's that song by uh, Sam Smith? What's it? What's it again? I can't remember the name. Lay, of it. Lay me down. Yeah, I had requested that she sing that song, and she did. She put it up on her TikTok, maybe or mm-hmm. Facebook, one of the two, God, not Facebook, get Instagram, get and. Like I have it saved to my phone because one, I guess it's a really emotional song and like you have an amazing voice. And, um, when you sing that song, like it, it kind of, it, it, it brings up some emotions. It's a good, it's a damn good song. And you, you really are a great singer. So like, you know, <clears throat> maybe you stay on active duty. Maybe you go back to the drill song world. Maybe you become a famous singer and you forget all the little wow. people in your life. I don't know about famous. I don't know if I want to be famous. I know I want to sing for a living. I don't know if I want to be famous though. Cause like at that point it's just like, yeah, you kind of lose all of your privacy, yeah. but sounds yeah, like you need an that? agent. Oh yeah. yeah or you might you know need one? one at some point. <laughs> I know. I know one. <laughs> Who? Me. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I'm, I'm in a talent. I am a talent agent. Blah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, Something we'll to think talk, about we'll later on after this. <laughs> way down the line yeah yeah no but uh right now since obviously like i said recently i've been kind of changing my life around so i'm not really dedicating myself to the same music anymore um mm-hmm. i mean i like i'm not for for right now i don't really have a plan for my singing i'm just kind of singing mm-hmm. i do videos for instagram and i'm not pressuring myself to try to achieve anything at this point just because i'm in school like i said so yeah um but if it happens for me it happens i trust god and his plan for my life so <laughs> there you go that's all you can do right mm-hmm. 
So, Tyree, you said you were, you had something about when she was deployed. Oh, what was the what was your first deployment? Or how many times have you been deployed, and what was that first one like? Okay, just one okay. mobilization. Okay. <laughs> because a lot of people don't think Kuwait is a deployment, and I respect that. I just went. I went to Kuwait, and then I was in Iraq for um, some of that time. Uh, but yeah, I was in Kuwait for twelve months. Um, mm-hmm. It was nice. It was a good experience. The only bad thing was uh, COVID. COVID. Oh, you were there hit. doing that time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I went to my my tour was from, I think, August 2019 to August 2020. So during that time, at first it was cool. We were able to go out on the city. Uh, we went to Kuwait City. We saw the Grand Mosque. It was nice. I mean, Kuwait is nice. I can't, <laughs> I don't have anything bad to say about it. But um, uh, then after COVID hit, it was when everything started getting really, really bad. And so it was just we were working all the time. There was no gyms. There was nothing open. It was just work and the barracks and the defect just because you have to eat. But yeah. Um, but when I went to Iraq, I only went for, well, it was a short period of time, but that was the most action I got the whole tour. What happened? <laughs> did I, did I tell you about this, Kevin? Uh, yeah. I, I told so. you about the airplane thing. Yeah, I did. Uh, remind me because I forget things constantly. Oh my gosh. So my first time that I went to Iraq as a supply person that I never thought I would end up there. Um, literally the day we were flying into Iraq, we were in a C-130 and oh my God, thinking about this is just, uh, we, uh, I don't, to this day, I don't know exactly what happened because they never contacted us. They never gave us a report or nothing. But um, we were in C-130, and it crashed down. <laughs> but it wasn't as bad as it sounds. It was just like we were already landing, and we just had the roughest landing ever to the point where we overran the runway, oh, and we crashed into a T-wall. And I didn't know what was going on, mind you. This is my first time in Iraq. I was with my first with my uh, commander and my XO, and so there was a bunch of other people in the plane, but they weren't with us. And uh, I don't know what I thought was going on, but I went on fight or flight mode. I was like, "Why is this plane landing like this?" <laughs> like, I didn't know if we were just getting attacked or what it was, but no, we it wasn't an attack. I, I was think- just. I think you might what? be the first person we've ever had to survive a plane crash. Hello? Mm-hmm. It, can you hear me? What is it? I, yeah. I think you might be the first person who we've ever had to survive a plane crash. Oh, that was in the news. Yeah. Everybody survived, though. Everybody survived. Yeah, Nobody but still, died. you're in a plane crash. Jeez. But a lot, of people, a lot of people did get uh, hurt. And <laughs> there, this was, it was crazy. See, I don't I did not know what was going on, but anyways, we were stuck inside the plane for a minute before we were able to get out because the doors were stuck. And so we were already crashed into the T wall. And while we were inside the plane, one of the engines exploded. Of course. And it was the craziest literally I, this was the craziest experience of my life. <laughs> So we all, you know, I lost my phone that day. Everything was just like, everybody was like, get out, get out of the plane. 
And we we all got off. And the first people that came to our rescue were the Iraqi first responders. And my commander went crazy. He thought, I, I don't know who he thought they were. Um, he was like, don't touch me, man. Like he, he had his, you know, like officers have their M9. So he was like, don't touch me, man. I was like, sir, you need to calm down. <laughs> like, <laughs> you may have been no, concussed. I mean, Dude, it's a it's a vastly different experience um, than than ours in two thousand four for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you're over cool. there talking about like oh, we were able to go to the to, to the mall in Kuwait City, and <laughs> and I lost my phone. <laughs> Gosh, I couldn't even imagine. I could not even imagine deployment later on. But and I, I and I often wonder, right? Um, I think personally, and Tyree, maybe maybe you disagree or, or whatever, but I think when we deployed in 04, it was easier because we didn't have that much. We didn't have any amenity. Exactly. We didn't have any of that. So we didn't have any of these amenities. So there was nothing to miss out on other than what was back home. Right. But now you've accessed all this stuff when you're there and then for COVID it all gets shut down. It's like, there's a green beans right there. I can't even pluck a go. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) literally, I mean, I'm not even trying to like or nothing. Like there was a, there was a whole Taco Bell. There is yeah. a Taco Bell in in Camp Arab John. There's Taco Bell. There's Charlie's. There's Pizza Hut. There's Popeyes yeah. in Camp Arab John, Kuwait. So yeah. I wasn't missing out on anything. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's what I mean. So, but you know, at the same time, like, you know, you, you got to make this trip to to Iraq, and so you're used to these amenities, and now it's like you're being pulled away. But when you know yeah. that you're going to be there for a year, and you know that you're not going to have any amenities, like. You know, we were, we were lucky to get um, mermites for for, for for you know hot cow whatever. Like it was MREs twice a day and whatever we could buy in the economy if you were willing to risk it. Hell no! Um, Hell no! I ain't buying none of that. We we got bread. Okay, we the bread. The bread was safe. All that other stuff. No nah, man, I can't risk it. Yeah. Just, what did you eat? Uh, <laughs> the MREs, maybe the chicken with the lines drawn in, on it. A bunch of those uh, biscuit or uh, muffins. The uh, banana nut muffins, chocolate muffins. That's all you ate. I didn't eat. I would not eat anything outside of the we, gate besides the bread because I I couldn't trust it, man. I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> man. We we ate a lot of ramen um, and like Vienna <laughs> sausages. We did. Oh. Um, I didn't eat that either because I'm like it's yeah. fucking sodium, real bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was definitely it was definitely hard times. But at the same time, like again, like we didn't have we knew that you know, Fob Brassfield or uh, PB Razor or PB Yvonne, and we didn't have any amenities. So mm-hmm. it was like, there's nothing to miss. Yeah. So you just kind of get used to living in these austere environments and you say, well, that's that then. But like, you know, deploying, you know, three, four years ago, five years ago, where you have all these things is, hey, hey we got to take this trip to Iraq. Yeah, but do they have Popeyes there? You know what I mean? It's just, I, I can imagine it being <laughs> like, a little, I, to me, I'm glad I went in 04. Yeah. Um, by yeah. comparison. I mean, I'm not glad I went in 04. They know all the stuff that, listen, <laughs> I, I'm not infantry, so I probably would have died in 04. So I'm glad I went in 2000 whenever I went, what, 2019. Yeah. It wasn't a bad experience. I mean, a lot of people will complain about it, but Kuwait is. It's an experience. It's, it's like being in the States. Yeah. It's still yeah. an experience. We, we were there for a little bit and it was uh, breezy. Is all I remember. I just remember the really long walks from the tent that we had, uh, that we all stayed in. And we had like, what was it? Like the whole company stayed in one massive tent. We were like 
a, each cot was about a foot away from the next cot over and you know, you're just breathing in everybody else's air and you had to walk like a mile to get to the chow hall. Uh, but we were at what camp New York was that what it was called? Yeah, that's what it was. Camp yeah. New York and uh, have like Where sand dunes on the way from the chow from uh, from our barracks, our tent to the chow hall. Like you had to climb sand dunes. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Where was that again? Uh, camp New York in Kuwait. Oh, Kuwait. Yeah. So we we had to go to Kuwait for like three weeks. It was like an acclimation period before we went into Iraq to just to get uh, uh, adjusted because we came from Germany in February to Kuwait in February. Um, and while it's colder than the summer in, you know, Kuwait, it's definitely not as cold as it was in Germany. Plus like, you know, walking around with all that gear and everything, but, um, people are trying to kill us. Yeah. Right. Plus that, uh, action. How was the barracks life when you were in the, uh, in the army? Um, yeah. How was barracks life? Well, you know, well, in Kuwait, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. It was. We lived in a big old building that was like an old warehouse, and they turned it into rooms of two people, and so we had a little bit of privacy. It wasn't bad. I, I didn't live in Zone Six, which was what we called the ghetto, because it was all tents. So I'm thankful for that. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't bad. Um, they had they had females and males in the same building though, which was weird. Oh yeah, that would be weird. Mm-hmm. Wild shit but, going um, on there, I'm sure. Hmm? I said wild stuff going on there, I'm sure. But you know, keep your nose out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, in in terms of 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 Women History Month and you being, um, a, a soldier in the U.S. Army as a woman, like, what what is that? what does that mean to you? Like, what does that, does, is there anything that kind of like, like from, from that perspective and like being a drill sergeant and being in this position to, to, to train and lead other people, like what, what, what is that to you? Like, what is the impact of that to you? Um, and how do you hope that that kind of like changes, like moving forward in the army, like, or, or, or what, what should say the same or whatever? Like, you know what I mean? I mean does that make sense? I think I think I understand what you're asking. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I think honestly, it's it's an honor to to be able to call myself a drill sergeant. Like I said, when I first joined, it wasn't because of you know patriotic patriotic reasons, but I have grown to love the military. Like I didn't, I never thought that I would like the military as much as I do. Um, I've enjoyed the growth. I know the the military has shaped me into a completely different person. It's given me like the tools to be a good leader. Um, and I mean, I consider myself a pretty good leader. I might not be the most, you know, knowledgeable of, of everybody. Everybody has their own like expertise, but I care about my soldiers. Um, I care about the people that I work with. And yeah, I think, I think the military has been a huge, huge reason as to why I am the way I am motivated um and yeah i'm always like striving to do more and yeah like i said it's given me a lot of really really good tools to be a good leader not just like in the military but civilian job wise it's i've used the tools that the army has given me to even like help out like my younger siblings and hopefully you know my family in the future yeah it's been it's been really rewarding 
up until yeah. now. It's been really rewarding for me. I haven't <clears throat> I haven't had a bad experience in the military. A lot of people I know don't don't share the same mentality, but yeah, I like it. So what like new 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 soldiers coming in, new new women, new females coming in to the military, like what are some things that you would that you would what's like advice that you would tell them? Um things that you wish that you knew, like coming into the army. Um yeah, like what what's some stuff that you, you know, you would impart on them? Yeah, well, I mean, as a woman in the military, especially if you're a woman of color in the military, you're always gonna be um underestimated. You're always going to be um put into weird positions. But it's just about the way you carry yourself. Um uh, I know that there's things that, that unfortunately, like we we can't really do anything about other than try to change the culture. Like you know, there's there's things that have happened in the military, especially to like women when it comes to like sexual assault and stuff like that. But I think the way that you carry yourself says a lot about yourself. I think that um, just if you're joining the military. You have to know what you're getting into just because you're a woman. Like, don't expect to be treated better or have, you know, any um, advantage over anybody else. Actually, like, take the time to learn your craft, to learn your job, to um, put in the work. And and it'll be rewarding because that's unfortunately, like, that's what we got to do to to earn people's respect. We have to work and we have to show everybody that we're competent and that we can do the, the job. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much what I would say. So you kind of think that like females in the military are at a, maybe at like a, a slight disadvantage, um, coming in just because, you know, the, there is this like this idea that it's the, a man's army. And we had this conversation kind of the other night with, uh, major Jacks. Um, and I don't know if you know who she is, whatever she said. Yeah. Uh, you already yeah. interviewed her, Ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, we, we talked to her last night, and then th- that was kind of one thing um, that she kind of was saying that, like, you know, do the work, and that'll 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 show, right? That that'll yeah. that'll be it. That'll be it. That'll be enough, really. Um, don't you, you don't know? You really it, have to talk about it. You don't have to talk about it because it will it will always show, and people will notice. Yeah. And I think it, it is interesting that uh, here in 2023, like the army still struggles with integration of, of different things. Um, you know, like going back a couple of years ago, allowing uh, women to serve in combat roles and to go to these, these specialized schools. Um, and you can even trace it all the way back to, you know, integrating women into the regular army. Like my stepmom was in the women's army corps in the seventies. Right. So the women's army corps, the WAC was you know, existed because women were not allowed to serve in the, the regular conventional army. And it's just really neat that like my mom was in that, but at the same time, it's also kind of terrible because here we are in, in what we call modern society and <laughs> we're still struggling with the, the integration of certain things. Um, it, it's just, it's just kind of wild. And there's a lot of pushback in, in, in certain circles within the military. What do you guys and, think about females in the military? Oh, I th- I think it's great. I mean, not in the military, in the infantry. Sorry. No, it's all good. Like, uh, we we had a conversation. Like, uh, like you said, um, when it comes to females in the military, as long as they do their job, you know, I, there's a lot of men who can't fucking do infantry shit. So I hate mm-hmm. that they try to say that females can't do it. If they can do it, good. Ruck up and let's go. 
Yeah, it's one. Of, it's it's the argument that that people like to make is like, well, if if I'm wounded in combat, like, you know, how is a woman going to carry me? Well, at the point that I made last night, I was like, I'm six, I'm six two two forty, and I, you know, when you put on when you factor in gear, the environment, the the stress, being shot at, like, you really think I'm going to be able to like firemen's carry somebody uh, of equal size or smaller? Like, check you. It's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a far greater challenge than people make it out to be, and they think that because a, you know a woman is is smaller and maybe physiologically speaking not as strong as a male counterpart that they're not going to be able to perform these same tasks, and it's just bullshit because it's it's just not how it works. Um, when I was when we were in Iraq. Uh, we were doing a movement to contact one night. Our alpha company was in contact and our Bravo company, we were moving to it. And I was moving with the squad. I was a, I was a radio guy. And we ran across this big open area um, at night with our night vision on. And I, you know, I'd already busted my ankle uh, about a month before this. And so it was pretty weak. <clears throat> and I remember running across this open area and there's rubble everywhere. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to, I'm going to step on a rock and blow up my ankle again. And I made it to the midway point, uh, which was, had some cover and I was like, okay, good. So I'm halfway there. I just got to run the rest of the way and I'm, I'll be fine. And so I run the other way. I, I, I run, I run to where we're supposed to go from the halfway point to the end point. And the, the whole time in my mind, I'm like, don't break your ankle, don't break your ankle, don't break your ankle. And I finally get there and there's a couple of guys already there because <clears throat> we sent one at a time to provide cover. Um, and when I got there, it was a building and a sidewalk and the sidewalk was slightly slanted and I, I get there and I'm like, Oh God, great. I made it in, but I didn't roll my ankle. And I step around the corner where the sidewalk went at an angle and bam, blew out my ankle. I, I, I fell down Jesus. at the same time. Yeah. It sucked. Uh, blew out my ankle. Um, at the same time down the street, there was gunfire. And so one of our, one of our buddies, we call him meat. His name is Mike, Mike Gregorowitz. Big guy, right? Um, very big, very muscular dude. Um, he's there. He immediately jumps over. And I think at the time he's got the saw. So the saw is slung to him. And it's a 15-pound machine gun plus all of our gear. I have the radio on, my M16. So I have probably another 80 pounds worth of shit on, on me already. And he jumps over, grabs me by my body armor, and picks me up and 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 moves me to cover. And he, he did that with ease. But when you factor in adrenaline... And, you know, and, and, and this, his, his size, his, um, um, his strength. And he was an exception to, to that. Like he's a power lifter now. He's a big, massive behemoth of a man. Um, and you know, and he's kind of an exception to that. Right. So like, but your average person, your average male in the infantry is not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so to, to make this, this, this statement that like, well, a woman can't do it. Well, neither can you. Neither can most of us. <laughs> That's hilarious. This is the truth. You I've know? never heard it like that. <laughs> it, it, there's not another guy in our platoon, and you know we had, we had some pretty fit dudes, but there's not another guy in our platoon in our company that could have done what Meat did that night. I was fortunate that he was there. I mean, had I been shot, I my life would have been saved because he did what he did, right? Um, or at least at least it would have been pulled from cover immediately. Like I, I, all I knew was I hit the sidewalk, like my ankle gets blown out, immediate pain. I land on the ground. And next thing I know, I'm like, <laughs> like lifted up and thrown against the wall. Do you know what I mean? And, and, um, 
But there's, I don't know another man in the infantry that, that could have done that. And so to sit there and say that women can't do it because of these things, you know what our job is in the infantry? To, to walk around and wait to get shot at and then return fire. And I bet you everybody can do this. As long as you have an index finger, mm-hmm. you can do this. And you can, you can pull a trigger. I mean, I'm sure it's way more than that. I'm sure it's way more than that. But also, if you're a woman and you're joining the infantry of all MOSs in the military, I think you should know what you're trying to get yourself into. Like, oh, don't yeah. think it's going to be easier for you just because you're, you're, you're a woman. Like, you're yeah. joining the infantry. Like, you know what it's about. So you can't, you know, expect to be treated differently. You have to do the work. If, if, if that means that you have to work out a little bit more to be stronger because you need to compensate for the fact that you are physiologically different than men, then, then you have to do that because that's what you signed up for. So. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, what do you think about women in the infantry? I think, I, honestly, I think I share the same, uh, the same uh, thought that you, that you did. I don't think it's impossible. I, at the end of the day, if you can do it, then you can do it. If you can't, then you can't, but like, you know, like what you're getting into and what you're signing up for, and if you can't, then, then don't 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 join infantry. Like yeah. that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, you it's know, not and about just women, like men, the same. Period. If yeah. you can't, thank you for that. If you can't do <laughs> what's required of you as an infantryman, then don't be an infantry. No, that's absolutely true, man. So, like, you know, was it like ten years ago, whenever it was, the army camp with the OPAT, the occupational physical assessment test, mm-hmm. and if you wanted to be infantry, you had to score or you wanted to be combat arms, you had to score high enough on the OPAT. And, you know, there were males that didn't even meet the minimum standard to, to, to join a combat arms MOS. And there are females who can destroy that standard, right? They are physically mm-hmm. capable of doing these things. And it's just, it's just a, it's a silly argument. You know, we're not the first country in the modern world to integrate women into combat arms. Israel's been doing it for a long fucking time um, in the IDF. And, you know, we, we, there's, there are amazing stories of, of women in combat um, throughout history. Uh, You know, in, 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 when you go to um, gosh, uh, the world war one, world war two, even before, I actually read about the story the other day called uh, about a woman named uh, Malunka Savage. Um, she fought she fought in the the Balkan Wars and uh, World War One as an infantryman. She, her brother was actually called up to fight, and he was sick, and so she took his place. And it's kind of like Mulan, right? Where she like she cut her hair and posed as a male and went in his place. And it wasn't until geez, her like tenth battle, she got shot in the chest. And while they're rendering uh, aid, they discover that she's a woman. And, you know, by this point, she'd already won or earned um, medals for valor and bravery. And, you know, she's when she's recovered and she has to go talk to her commanding officer. And they, he, he tells her, I have to um, I have to decide what to do with you. You're an asset, but like you can't be in the infantry. So I'm going to decide. Uh, he's like, well, I'm going to put you in the nursing corps. And she says, no, I don't, I, I want to fight for my country. And he said, okay, well, I'll give you my answer tomorrow. And keeping, she's standing at attention in front of her commander. And she's like, okay, well, I'll wait. And she stood there at attention. She didn't move for about an hour. Finally, the, the guy came back. It's like, fine, you go back to the infantry. And so this, her awards are insane. Like she's got Serbia's highest award 
twice. She's got the the French uh, the uh, the French highest award uh, twice. Um, actually, uh, so the, was it the Legion of Honor? Um, she's got all these crazy ass awards. She's got awards from three different countries, Russia, Russia, Serbia, France, and just various other awards in between. And these are all things that she, uh, earned and achieved after it was discovered that she was a woman, right? She's leading troops into combat during world war one. And that's just one example. That's insane. You know? Yeah. It's a really, it's a really great, um, it's a really great story. It's kind of like Mulan. Yeah. Yeah, so to sit there and say that, like, you know, the women can't do these things because X, Y, Z, the you know, and, and you notice like the the people that are the guys that are saying this or have been saying this or have said this are typically the guys that can't do those things either. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say that. I was like, man, the motherfuckers. I mean, I'm sorry, the people who uh, who doubt the, the the females are usually the ones that can't do it themselves, and and mm-hmm. and it's clearly that's the reason. They just, it's just jealous. They can't deal with somebody being better than them at their own game. Mm-hmm. So A lot of men can be hurt. Like you can hurt a man's ego so easily. Not everybody's I'm saying like there's some men that are just so insecure. Mm-hmm. Like if you were so secure about like your masculinity, you weren't so you wouldn't be so worried about women in the military. Yeah. Yeah. And it, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, when you get into like the psychology of why people are like that, and it's not just, it's not just exclusive to men. Like there are women who are also the kind of the same way. Um, but when we talk about like male dominated fields and that's what we're specifically talking about, you know, it, it is, it is men who, but they, I mean, there are also women who, who say the same thing, who sit there and try and say that like women shouldn't serve in these roles. And that's, that's, that's fine for people have these opinions, but I'm, I'm glad that women are out there proving all these people wrong and I'm glad to know uh, a few of them. And so it's, I don't know, it's pretty rad. Um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I'm definitely glad to see the direction that the United States military is headed um, when, in in terms of integration and in terms of um, women serving in these roles and performing these things. And I just, I just want to see a lot more movement on these things. And I want to see better equality um, within all the branches of the military. Uh, cause right now, I mean, that's, that's probably one of the biggest struggles I think that we have. And, uh, and it takes, it takes strong women to serve and it takes, you know, strong willed people to, to serve in these roles, to continue to, to, to be the example and to say, Hey, no, we're absolutely capable. And, you know, the only difference is as Tyree put it last night, um, you know, you stand, you stand to pee and I sit to pee. <laughs> That's it. It's a damn bottom line right there. So we've been doing this. We've been uh, hitting this show hard for a while now. A minute. It's time to end this one. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, we're coming up on an hour and a half now. Yeah. So fast. Uh, it goes by fast. Stop out, right? Nope. Yeah. We're leaving it all in there. Key break. <laughs> key break and all. Yeah. No way. <laughs> uh, no. It's, no. We we do we do editing. You know, it's funny when Tyree and I first started doing the show, we would always talk about, oh, we'll edit it out, and just we never did. Mm-hmm. It was just right? like and, an inside joke to for us. Yeah, and I don't think anybody ever picked up on it. No. Yeah. No, no. Some people did because remember, oh, really? yeah, uh, love's daughter. Oh, Sapphire. Yeah, she's like. uh you you always say you're gonna edit, but I know you're not because you never do because we hear it. So I'm like, oh, oh yeah, it's, true. it's funny. Yeah, so, she called us out. Yeah, shout out to Sapphire for mm-hmm. calling us out. Good job, Sapphire. Yeah. 
I don't even know if she listens anymore. She doesn't comment on her stuff. I'm mad at you, Sapphire. She's been working. I keep oh, up. Yeah. I keep up with her. She's been doing her welding thing. Keep doing that yeah. welding thing. Every time I look on there, she got a new sticker on her helmet saying that she's certified for some <laughs> new shit. Yeah. Every single day, forklift driver. She in a minute, she's going to be running the whole place. Shout out to her. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So hey, uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, give us your social media stuff. How can the people who listen to this reach you and hear your podcast later? Thank you, thank you guys for inviting me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as Jess Leanne Murray. I know you guys are probably not going to be able to spell that, so it's J E S L I A N M A R I E. Jess Leanne Murray, and then my podcast Nuevas Criaturas is a Spanish podcast. So I'm sorry. Uh, we'll try to do, like do some like captions at some point, or you know, like kind of go into the English. Uh, seen at some point but for now it's going to be in spanish nuevas criaturas that is new creatures in spanish you can find us uh as nuevas criaturas pod on instagram tiktok um we're going to be on youtube spotify and apple podcast there it is kevin you got anything no uh jess thank you for coming on and thank you for being the first woman um on our women's history month uh series that we're doing i really appreciate it um, looking forward to to seeing how, where your show goes, and um, you being a famous singer, and uh, and, and when you, when you get your <laughs> first singer. award, I don't know when, you get, when you get your first award for like whether the Stanley Cup, or whatever, I want you to stand up there and be like, and Kevin, big shout out to you, and then that's it. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. The Stanley Cup is hockey, by the way. Okay. Word. Yeah. <laughs> I know it was something that wasn't adding anything to do with music, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, I'm gonna close yeah. this out. Thank you for coming on, Kevin. You got anything? No, that's it, man. All right, hey guys. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to. Before I forget, your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast. Please like, listen, share, subscribe, watch, and we'll see you on the next one. Say bye, Kevin. Bye, Kevin.